You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a little Zen along the way. All right, this is the Kona special. We have an interview with 10th place female from last year looking to move on up and also a College Station native right here from where we're broadcasting from our little town here in Texas, Jocelyn McCauley. We had a nice phone call with her uh, about a week or so ago and been putting together this podcast to get it out uh, as close to race day as possible. And here we are. We've got, yeah, like an interview, uh, I mean, an hour-long interview with her. And uh, we go over what it was like getting 10th. and, And she had much bigger goals last year. She was trying to win the whole thing and uh, what it was like getting 10th and um, what her goals are for this year and the other athletes that are in the mix and also something I really like to do which is go over the pros gear and their settings on their gadgets like what screens do they show on their bike computer you know what fields do they show uh, power miles per hour time you know things like that and uh, we cover every single every single sport, swim, bike, run, and how she uh, trains and races with each. So like I said, it's an hour-long interview. It's really, really good. And then also we have uh, some triathlon news, which we'll cover. And I have a training tech tip of sorts. Um, Definitely a training tip. I'm not sure how techy it is, actually. But then uh, also a zen tip about the wall is the mirror. It's actually really cool. I'm excited to bring that one to you. So let's go ahead and get started with the triathlon news. Here we go. All right. In the week leading up to Kona, historically, the big bike companies, well, every bike company likes to drop news of their new bikes and show off uh, samples. And a lot of times uh, they'll have pros racing on them for the very first time that you've ever seen them get you all excited and stuff. That's where in the past we've had like the Diamondback Andean and the Cervelo P5X. That was uh, past year, two years. Really good examples of, of uh, exotic super bikes showing up. And this year, um, most bikes haven't changed. They've uh, started ad- adding uh, disc brakes, which does require the frame to be different. So it's a whole new bike. And... There is one bike that has really turned things upside down and confused a whole lot of people and just caused all kinds of panic <laughs> in the uh, in the triathlon world. And it's specialized. Um, up until now, the specialized shiv has been very uh, innovative in its own way. It had the fuel bladder in the down tube. And if you didn't know, Felt actually was planning on doing the same thing, but... Um, Specialized has a patent on it and felt couldn't do it. And if you look at Rennie, uh, Miranda Carfrey's bike, you can see that there's a tube coming out of her down tube and she rides a felt. But anyway, so Specialized has had that for a while. Uh, earlier this week, 
Specialized revealed their new shiv, and it's crazy looking. It has uh, twin fork blades on the front, and they're not the first to do that. Uh, Wileyer, Wileyer uh, did that a while back and then quit doing it. And it's where the fork blades, they go down to the front wheel, they come straight up and meet the base bar. They don't meet the, the head tube. They come up and meet the base bar and become part of the handles, the handlebars on the bike. It's really a bizarre look. And I'm not really confident that that's faster or not. I don't, I don't know one way or the other. Uh, some people think it is, but then you're adding more material, you know, whatever. But that's just the beginning because the really bizarre thing is they put a fin on the back that you've seen uh, tri-bikes where they have like a cargo carrier behind the seat post. Uh, I have a Trek Speed Concept and it's got one. I love it. You can put a ton of stuff in that thing. Well, Specialized put one on the back <laughs> that is huge and it holds two liters of water and it's really, really flat. So you can imagine this thing is big to be to cover to carry that much water but be really flat it's almost like a doormat i mean the thing is big and it's coming off the back of the seat post and it hugs the uh, rear wheel and it comes up really high up under the seat and it's uh the it's thin and the lid pops off and you can fill it with water oh, before i forget the bike only has one paint job and it's that crazy cool paint job where it's uh i my friends and I growing up, we called it laser, a laser paint job. And it's where you change the angle of the light hitting the bike and it turns from blue to green to purple. It's a beautiful, beautiful paint job. It's, it's really cool. But um, anyway, so the, the back of this thing holds two liters of fluid and then a tube runs down to the uh, down through it or out the bottom of it through the bottom bracket and then up up the down tube <laughs> that's a funny phrase and then out uh, near up to the headset and up to the uh, handlebars and comes out there so it's this long straw what do you think that is like uh, two and a half feet maybe of straw I don't know three feet of straw and um some people were like, well, it'd be really hard to suck uh, fluid through a straw that long. No, not really, because it, it would have fluid above it, so it's pushing on it. So it's got head pressure, sort of, I guess until you're down to the very last bit. And then um, another thing is cleaning that tube will be a real pain in the ass, but not really. Um, I've uh, cleaned Camelback tubes and stuff like that, and once you get the – there's a device that cleans that thing um, – really well and then you start getting into real particular things you know do you put water if you put water in it then it's not going to get that dirty but uh, if you put sugary stuff in it like your fuel then um yeah that stuff gets gunked up and nasty after a while so that would be a little bit harder to clean and so i was kind of negative on the bike at first i mean i thought it looked uh i don't know the it just didn't look right and then something happened uh, they announced that in partnership with Zwift, which is the uh, software video game uh, that you can ride your bike on, on the trainer, um, they announced that uh, they're having a contest on Zwift. If you rode 112 miles 
on Zwift over from Monday, they announced this on Monday, to uh, Saturday night. And 112 miles is the distance in an Ironman uh, bike ride. If you rode that distance, then uh, you had a chance to win the bike. And then I thought, all of a sudden, that bike became a lot more attractive. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, and then a really weird thing is a, a standalone object doesn't look all that, you know, it's kind of iffy. You're kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, I don't really, I don't think I like it, whatever. And then you put um, super fit athletic people on it and then, you know, and going at high speed. And all of a sudden, there's something about that where you're just like, you know, that looks kind of cool. <laughs> so now uh, the bike's grown on me. And I uh, actually kind of like it. Um, I was very critical of it first. And then I was like, oh, there, there's a small chance I, I could win one because you could win a bike um, and get one. And they're a $14,000 bike. Um, only because there's very few of them. They're not going to make that many at first. And, you know, it's uh, it's what you call a halo bike where a company makes... Um, a top of the line beyond belief version of a uh, product. And then uh, that makes the company look really, really cool, but they really don't make that many of them. And then, uh, so uh, the economy of scale says, you know, cause they're not making that many of them. They're actually pretty expensive, but it's a, um, it's a showcase of technology of what the company can do. And I'm trying to think of some other uh, companies that do that. I used to have a Honda VFR motorcycle and that's a that's a Honda motorcycle um, halo bike. Um, it's beyond. Uh, it's technologically beyond anything necessary, <laughs> and therefore kind of expensive. I bought a used one, uh, so it wasn't expensive at all. But um, it's a, it was an amazing bike, right? So uh, yeah, so Zwift is having this contest where you can uh, win uh, one of these bikes riding 112 miles. And as of this recording, I'm on mile 80. And I've got tomorrow all day to uh, finish riding and hit that 112. And I'm super excited, you know, like I can't think of a better uh, place, a better uh, contest winner than Brett on Zentri because we've got the big podcast and a lot of Twitter and Instagram followers and stuff. And I could be riding that bike and showing it off. But you never know. I've been riding it around on the on the Zwift Island, Watopia. Or watts is what they call it and there's just a uh, s ton shiv there's a shiv ton of um oh it's got disc brakes too the specialized shiv um there's a shiv ton of people riding that thing too so my chances are actually kind of small but um first off they're gonna you're riding around on the island on that bike it's pretty cool they've made the bike and it changes colors while you're riding it just like the paint job does and you feel it's really, really bizarre. You know, you do something in a video game and it feels like uh, you're actually doing it in the uh, real real world. In a, in a way, you kind of get over it, you know, or get used to it, whatever it is. They use that kind of training for um, to get people more used to um, heights, you know, to get them over the fear of heights or the fear of spiders and stuff. And it works. Um, so yeah, I've, been, I've ridden 80 miles on the uh, new $14,000 uh, specialized shiv <laughs> in a way, in a way whatsoever. Um, and uh, let's see, what else does that bike have? I think that's the two big crazy things. Yeah, it's got uh, disc brakes. 
Um, some other bikes, like I said, have uh, dropped, quote unquote. Uh, I just saw today uh, Quintana Roo has released a white version of their bike, of their PR6. One, I really like Quintana Roos, and then also I really like white bikes because you can wear any kit and you'll match your bike. Um, and you could with the black bike as well, but a white, I don't like riding black bikes with the blacked out logos and stuff like that, um, or even regular logos and on the open road because um, if you want to be seen by a car, you want everything on you as bright as possible. And um, let's go ahead and brighten up the bike because you're going to be on it, so might as well brighten that up. And uh, that's why I'm a big fan of white bikes. Um, my past two bikes, many of my bikes have been white, and I've always liked it. I've had black bikes and red bikes and stuff too. But uh, let's see. Oh, man, I used to have a Cannondale full suspension mountain bike. Oh, it was so rad. So, so rad. Love that bike. Um Let's see, what else is out there? Uh, Garmin released a new watch. Polar's watch is uh, super cool. They released a watch that they've got it right. Black watch with a silver crown with a little red mark on the side or two. Um, looks professional. Looks uh, looks how a watch should look. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's about all the technology stuff. But keep your eye out. There may be another bike or two that gets released. Um, yeah, so the big thing is just uh, disc brakes. The problem with disc brakes is people have invested a lot of money in race wheels, uh, especially aerodynamic race wheels that don't have discs on them. And um, if you buy a new bike, then you got to buy new wheels. If you buy a disc brake bike, then you got to buy uh, new race wheels. And... Um, they may not be, may or may not. It's kind of iffy. Kind of depends on who you talk to, if those are actually more aero or not. <laughs> so, um, when you add the disc to them, uh, so you got a lot of confused and upset people out there with uh, the whole disc brake thing. But we're not going to get into that. That's kind of like there's that's a lose lose argument there. You're not you're not going to come out on the winning end of that. Um, technology moves forward and. Man, if you've ridden a bike with disc brakes on it, it's absolutely amazing. It's amazing. And if you live where it's hilly, yeah, disc, disc brakes are uh, the way to go. They're, they're pretty great. But, uh, for example, I live where it's really flat, so I don't really need disc brakes. But disc brakes would still be nice. I ride a mountain bike that has disc brakes on it. And, you know, almost anywhere you live, mountain bikes with disc brakes perform a whole lot better than, than uh, rim brakes. So I, I can appreciate them. Um, I'm a fan, but, uh, my tri bike, I have a Trek speed concept and they have not gone disc brake yet. So my, um, I'm still riding race wheels zips from, um, 2007, I think. And they're still great. Really good wheels. But anyway, let's see. Let's talk for a minute about a training tip, sort of a technological tip because I figured it out uh, riding Zwift, riding the video game. Um, I've noticed, uh, well, riding the trainer, you can recreate, uh, you can ride the same route over and over and over again. And it's so consistent that it makes it very easy to pick up on nuances that you wouldn't normally notice in the outdoor world. Um, so if you're riding out, you know, out in the terrain, you got your weather, got your wind and everything like that. You don't really know 
what's working and what's not so much because you don't have a standard to compare things against. But on Zwift, um, the video game has uh, physics in it, you know, so you work your way up and then go down and and it, it uh, goes faster on the downhill and all that stuff and you plug in your weight. And I mean, it's very controlled and very consistent. So you can try different things and see uh, what what uh, what works and what doesn't. I mean, you can ride the same hill over and over and over again, and it's going to be the exact same hill or the exact same loop over and over and over again, and you can try different things. And then when you ride it again, you can compare what you did this time versus last time and go, okay, this fuel worked better. You know, or this cadence worked better. I went faster for sure. Um, this uh, position on the bike um, worked better. I was able to breathe. I spread out my elbow pads, for example, a little bit, and all of a sudden I could breathe a whole lot better, and I quit having uh, pain in my hip. And if you're doing that out on the open road, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, but something I read a while back was some advice was um, don't stop pedaling on the downhills. And the reasoning was is uh, if you don't move, if you coast on the downhills, your legs, uh, because you're not moving them, they kind of lock up. And I didn't really, uh, I didn't really under, it's not that I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't understand. I just didn't really appreciate it. And I, I think it was bad phrasing. Um, what I found instead, which I've been testing out that actually works and makes sense and is a, uh, a phrasing that is easier to remember and, and more uh, useful is that pedal on the downhills uh, because pedaling moves your legs and moving your legs helps the blood flow through your legs. And because you just went up and you worked a little bit extra hard on the way up and over, um, your legs are going to be kind of tired. And uh, pedaling on the way down flushes out the stuff that's still the junk in your legs from going up. And even more detailed than that, what I mean is you pedal up and your legs are full of um, blood that's kind of depleted in oxygen a little bit. Um, got a little bit of extra lactic acid in there. Uh, trying to, there's probably other uh, byproducts of um, deplete, your, your blood's depleted of, of uh, blood, blood sugar, you know, you're, they're kind of spent. And you know how like if um, you sit too long the wrong way and your leg goes asleep and the fastest way to get your, uh, your leg or your limbs or whatever to uh, come back awake is to move them. You know, you don't want to because it burns and tingles and stuff. But the fastest way to uh, bring something back to life is to move it, shake it, you know. Well, your legs going up and over a hill are full of junk and they're kind of worn out. And I've been testing this, riding uh, a route over and over and over and over again. It's like a eight mile loop, I guess. Is it eight miles? Yeah, it's about eight miles. Uh, and it's got several hills in it. And what I figured out is if you put your bike in, you climb up over the hill, and then on the downhill on the other side, you, you pop it into an easier gear. And then you actually spin kind of, you pedal kind of fast, but with very low resistance. And that way you can turn over your legs pretty fast, but you're not pushing 
hard on anything and you don't need to push hard on anything because you're already going downhill you get your speed going up downhill first and then you uh then you do what i'm about to say you pedal high rpm but low pressure on the pedals um and what that does is it draws fresh blood into your legs and it that fresh blood pumps out the old blood but because you're not pushing you're pedaling um, with almost no resistance, your muscles really aren't doing that much work, then um, uh, the fresh blood comes into your legs, but the blood's happy. It doesn't, it's not really doing anything. Uh, it's not getting depleted because you're not really working your legs. And let's say you were doing like 300 watts on the way up. Well, on the way down, you're doing like 50 watts. <laughs> um, hardly anything at all. Um, and... And it makes your legs feel so much better and, and full of good stuff and re-energized. It's really bizarre uh, how well it works. And I've, I've tried different stuff. I've tried, you know, pedaling uh, slowly downhill, medium downhill, not pedaling at all downhill, you know. And it turns out the thing that works the best is high cadence, so 90 plus RPM, but very low pressure on the pedals um, downhill, and it flushes your leg, flushes the bad stuff out of your legs, and, and pumps your legs full of good stuff. So when you hit the flat ground again, um, you're pedaling along and feeling really, really strong. It's really bizarre. So I'd like for y'all to give that a try and see what you think. Okay, before we get into the interview, we have one last thing, and it is our Zen lesson for the podcast. I was about to say for the week. <laughs> it's been about two weeks. But anyway, and it's the wall is the mirror. So there's this thing in Zen and a, a lot of uh, Eastern, um, I guess you could call them religions, but whatever, uh, where you meditate. Um, and Zen has a, um, a method of meditation where they sit and face a wall a blank wall and there's some you can go online and look at pictures of a zen meditation center uh temple or whatever they want to call it and they uh it's people sitting on these pillow like cushions with their legs crossed or whatever you don't have to sit that way by the way uh they really don't care um you, if you're if you've got knee pain let's say you're older and you're like your legs don't want to do that you can sit in a chair you can sit however you want but anyway, it's these people uh, facing a wall. So there'd be like a room. Say there's a room that's like 15 feet by 30 feet, you know. Um, there'll be, uh, you know, 20 people in there. Um, but all of them are up against, almost up against the wall, facing outwards, like with their faces towards the wall. There's like a foot or two from the wall. They've got some space, but they're basically facing the wall. And... Uh, this is traditional. This has been going back a long time. And the whole point is that, and this goes really deep, by the way. This is really cool stuff. Um, when you have no distractions and you're, the final frontier is facing nothingness, <laughs> now what? Now what do you actually think about? And let's say you take away your phone, you take away your laptop, you take away your, your uh, cool website you like to go to, you take away your radio, take away the TV, all that. Um, you could 
lay down and fall asleep and take a nap. But no, they're going to take it one step further. You're going to face a wall. And what you'll notice that happens is your mind starts to wander. But since there's nothing to think about because you're facing a blank wall, you start thinking about yourself and where you are in life and what you're doing and the successes and failures that you've had. And eventually, what's really crazy is you start thinking about um, your goals and who you are, who you've become. And that's why I like to say the wall in Zen, a wall is a mirror because you really start to see yourself. Like, oh my gosh, um, I'm, I've been in this job 10 years. <laughs> what am I going to do about this? You know, like I need to, I need to get a promotion or something like that. And then uh, uh, I've had this foot injury for three years. Um, and it's these things that you, would, you don't think about because you're distracted all the time by all the distractions in the world but you've removed all these distractions. And now the only thing that's left is you. And so now you're finally thinking about you. And it's a really great way to clarify um, where you are and where you're going and um, what's holding you back and what you're going to do about it. And on top of all that, it's, it's, uh, it kind of gives you a... Um, a reckoning. You're finally facing yourself with no distractions and you really see who you really are, you know, warts and all. Like, man, uh, I'm overweight. <laughs> you can't go, well, let's change the channel and see what's on another, see if the Simpsons are on. It's like, no, your brain is sitting there going, dude, you are overweight. You need to lose weight. Or, um, God, you need to call your parents or something, you know, whatever it is. Or, uh, I mean, like real truths start to come up. Truths about your life and truths about yourself. Now, there's a, a famous saying that um, the greatest virtue, well, the patience is the greatest virtue, but another great virtue, virtue is um, knowing yourself. If you know yourself really well, then you're able to do so much more in life because you know your your edges. I talked about this on a previous podcast. A uh, good thing about Iron Man is it's so long that you can't do it well. At some point you break, but then um, when you when you fail or you break, you know your limitations. You've realized them. You can't you can't. And that's another good analogy for the wall is you can't fake it anymore. You know. Um, did you train enough? Uh, no, because you had you had to start walking on mile fifteen of the run, and um, you you uh, you faked yourself, um, you tricked yourself. You thought that you were going to be able to run the whole thing. Well, no, you you couldn't. You're not that good, <laughs> and uh, so it's um it's a mirror. It shows you where you really are in in life and. Um, how you really stack up. So um, Iron Man and, and, fit and sitting and facing a wall and all this other stuff is really good for showing you your edges and what you're actually capable of. And when you know 
what your limitations are, uh, that's one thing, but also you know your potential, right? You know how far you can go before you break. So um, you, you end up, the more you learn about yourself um, over your life, the more you learn, um, you know, that you actually might like uh, scary movies and, uh, and that's okay and, uh, and you don't like uh, other kind of documentaries. I'm just making stuff up. And so you're not going to waste time, you know, watching documentaries or uh, you've done some introspective and you've, you've thought about it a lot and you've decided, you know, you're never going to date another smoker, that it's just too much work. <laughs> um, that uh, uh, you really do want to get uh, a convertible or, or um, that would really make you happy or um, a convertible will never make you happy, one or the other. You know, you've come to terms with these things. And so all day long in your life, you're making decisions. You probably make a thousand decisions every day. And I'm not kidding. Um, We were just at the grocery store, you know, is it white bread or wheat bread or rye bread? You know, uh, is it Diet Coke or water? Um, Do we get a treat for the dog or not? Uh, You know, because we're getting cat food. So do we get a toy for the dog or not? Um, do we get the regular tennis balls or we get the tennis balls with the Texas A&M College logo on them? Does the Texas A&M College logo bother you that they're putting a major university logo on dog toys? It just goes on and on and on, like your choices and what, um, uh, what you do all day and your values start to show up. And once you're clear on your values and your uh, the choices that you want to make, then you make much better choices all day long. Because you sat and stared at a wall for an hour, um, you've thought about it and said, you know, I don't want to go uh, run down this one scary trail anymore. You say you're, um, I got a coworker, a female coworker that doesn't want to, that runs in a scary place. And, um, you know, she needs to take the time to invest and find a better place to run that's, you know, got more street lights and stuff and safer. So um, with the free space of actually thinking about things um, and learning to know yourself and what's, you know, you've got the time now to think when you're staring at a wall, you've got the time now to think about what's really important and what's some better decisions in life I could be making. (laughs) And so like you get up from staring at the wall and you're like, I'm going to go on Google Maps and find a better run route. Um, And that could change your life, you know, uh, in so many ways. And uh, knowing yourself also leads to a lot of confidence. There's a saying... I think it might be in fashion, but it might be, it might be in personal productivity. Productivity, but um, I think it might be in fashion actually. But uh, elegance is refusal, and when you really know yourself, then you have the self confidence to say no. Right? You're not going to date that person. Uh, you're not going to take that job. Oh gosh, somebody I know was applying for a job and. Uh, we told them, uh, you're better than that job. Say no, you know, but you have to have self-confidence, right? Well, you have to know yourself. You have to know your own uh, skill set. 
So what I'd like for people to do is when you get a chance, get a chair, unless you're already used to sitting, um, you know, cross-legged on a pillow. Um, and these pillows that they make for this are actually really thick. So it's almost like a very low chair anyway. So you can just get a chair if, if you're not into that stuff. And find a blank wall, a section of wall um, where there's no pictures. Like I'm looking at a wall right now and there's no wall. There's one little section of wall that would be good enough in here. But, um, you know, with no distractions on it, it's just a blank wall. Sit there. And I've done this in a Zen center in Austin, uh, Rinzai uh, Zen style of practice. And I think I stared at a wall for half an hour that one time at that one place. But uh, you stare at the wall and watch what happens with your mind. Watch the uh, crazy thoughts kind of come and go. And at first, um, you'll notice there's a thought a second. Da -da 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 -da. And they, they, uh, they go off on an endless trail, a rabbit hole. Um, you, you might hear a car or something like that. And you're like, a car, oh, I need to put gas in my car. Well, my car doesn't get very good gas mileage. You know, that other car I used to have had better gas mileage. Uh, Ricky has a car with the best gas mileage. But, oh, yeah, that one time the Volkswagen got in trouble for lying about their, their uh, pollution and their engines from their gas and their diesels. And uh, diesels, I wonder how, how does a diesel, do they ever turn the, the engine off in a diesel truck? You know, they're always running at those gas stations and... and um, the silver canister on the side of a diesel truck, you know, in the cab, that's actually turbos. What's I've seen two. I wonder if they make three or four. And then in Australia, they have those 18-wheeler big rig trucks that are like connected, you know, that have like two, three, four trailers long on them. And gosh, you know, I wonder in Australia when they're driving along, do they ever see kangaroos? I mean, are kangaroos wild? And uh, do they farm them? Isn't there a thing like kangaroo meat? And I swear I saw on Reddit one time um, video of a kangaroo trying to choke a dog and like drown it underwater. And there's that one video or picture of a kangaroo that looks like a weightlifter. It's so strong. You know, and so your mind like does, does all this. Stuff. We started off at cars and now we're in kangaroos drowning dogs, right? And so your mind will do that for a while, but eventually it'll stop. And the trick is, is you don't try too hard to make it stop because now you're trying too hard. And um, just like running and biking and swimming, um, if you try too hard, then uh, you get exhausted and you fail. So you kind of let itself play out. And then when you notice that it kind of picks up again and goes off in the outer space, you know, you end up thinking about, speaking of outer space, Neptune and are the, are the moons of Jupiter actually, could you colonize them? You know, you find yourself thinking about that. <laughs> You don't get angry at yourself. You just go, no, bring it back, bring it back. And try to just um, stare at the wall and think about nothing, which actually is a really good concentration uh, skill. Um, it'll allow you to stay, when you get good at it, it allows you to stay with problems a little bit longer and uh, remember things a little bit better because you're working your brain pretty good to stay with something and focus on something. Just like if uh, I'll find myself... Uh, doing math calculations. And instead of, if it's a simple one, instead of reaching for a calculator, I'll try to do it in my head because it's good for your brain. And instead of taking the same route home all the time, I'll try to take a different route because it's, you have to think a little bit more. You have to concentrate and, and it's, oh, this is new, you know, oh, 
you know, there could be a cop around that corner, better slow down, you know, and all that stuff. So staring at a wall takes some concentration. It's actually good for your brain. And anyway, give it a try and see if in the end, when you run out of things, you have to face yourself. There's nothing else left to think about except for you and your place in life. And when you hit an insurmountable object, an immovable object, I say it's like a mosquito biting an iron bull, um, you can't do anything about it. And when you realize that you can't do anything about it and you can't win, let's say like uh, another... uh, metaphor for the wall is hitting the wall like running in an Iron Man. You have to change who you are to uh, meet your goals. And then that is self-improvement where, you know, you can change your environment and you can change um, your tools, you can change your methods, but um, at some point you actually have to change when, when none of those things work and you run out, you have to change yourself. And that's a really hard thing to do because your ego mind uh, views it as if you're dying, you know, your former self that you're real familiar with, how you work. Um, it's not working. But one famous saying is, and so how's that working out for you? <laughs> Isn't that Dr. Phil or something like that? How's that working out for you? And so um, the person, including you, will sit there and go, well, crap. I'm going to have to do things differently. I'm going to have to be a different person. You know, I remember uh, halfway through college, I had bad grades and all these party friends and stuff. And I decided I needed, I found a, um, a career path that I really wanted to do. And to get better grades, I realized after a while of struggling that I was going to have to become a different person. I was going to have to lose my party friends and become... Um, uh, a full-time studying student and uh, I was going to have to change my behavior. I couldn't change anything else. Now it's up to me, you know? Um, you can't, let's say uh, all you do is um, run 5Ks, but you want to do an Ironman. Um, you can't run more 5Ks. That's not going to do it. You are going to have to change yourself, into somebody else. You're going to have to become an Ironman training triathlete, which means a whole lot of change on your part. And um, you're going to have to let go of the, um, of the way that you were to take this on. I've been watching the uh, Norseman uh, TV show on Netflix, which I absolutely love. I think it's great. Uh, especially I have a Viking heritage in my family, Scandinavian. And um, so I just love watching this stuff. It's really funny. Um, but there was a saying uh, to attack with the sword. And they may have said, you know, to attack with both hands on the sword. You're going you're gonna to have to drop your shield. You can't be holding your shield in defensive mode um, the way you were to make any progress, to, um, to uh, cut through anything. You're going to have to um, drop your shield which it makes you vulnerable. It's change. It's scary. Um, but then you can uh, you can grab the handle of the sword with both hands and and cut into something new. Or if you're like in the Star Wars, you know, to grab the uh, rope and swing across with Princess Leia. Anyway, that's that's that. Hope you enjoyed that little Zen uh, lesson there. Go stare at a wall for a while. <laughs>
<laughs> oh man. Um, oh, and by the way, there's a really cool audio book. Um, Jocko Beck, J-O-C-K-O. Um, let me see if I can find the name of it while I have it with me. I've listened to it a long time ago. She's a Zen master. Uh, she was She's dead now, but she lived to be really old. And she gives great talks, and it's very, very plain, good Zen. I should recommend it. Um, I was just listening to part of it uh, earlier today. I've listened to it before. Um, Living Everyday Zen. And it's what's really cool, it's an audio book, but it's a recording of her giving lectures on, um, on Zen and how to practice Zen. And she seems to me to be the most down-to-earth, uh, real... Uh, Zen master that makes sense um, that we have recordings of. There's lots, there's a few of them. I wouldn't say there's lots of them. There's a few of them. But, you know, a lot of Zen masters are Chinese Zen masters from 800 years ago, 1,000 years ago or more. And um, you can read their writings, but to uh, listen to somebody talk that's actually a recognized, trained, formal Zen master teacher is... Um, really a really really cool opportunity and Jocko Beck uh, she is up there with uh, living every day Zen I think it's like a three or four hour audiobook all right so that is your Zen stuff we need to move along and talk with Jocelyn about uh, Kona. I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm really busy tomorrow in the morning up until Kona starts, and I'm going to be kind of a mess because we're going to... Kai has a kid's triathlon in the morning. Um, elegance is... Uh, what did I call it? Elegance is denial. What was the word? <laughs> elegance is... I'll think of it in a second. But uh, I said no to doing the adult triathlon because I'm, I'm so close to my foot being healed up. I'm there. I'm so there. And doing a race uh, would actually um, mess up my foot. So I said no to that race so that I can progress. And it was hard to do. Um, and so Kai has that in the morning. And then he has a soccer game at 1.30. And I think, and we're Texas Central time, I think Kona starts about one o'clock. So I'm going to be trying to watch the, um, the race and watching Kai's soccer game, which makes me not a good parent. And I'm going to try to figure out a way to watch the, uh, it'll be the swim, you know, it takes almost an hour. There's not much going on there. And then the early part of the bike, and then we come home and I am going to be wanting to watch bike and ride Zwift at the same time so I can rack up the miles for that uh, specialized uh, tri bike. <laughs> so it's going to be a busy, busy day tomorrow. And yeah, that's where we are with all that. So I got my own kind of Kona uh, mess going on over here. And uh, let's go ahead and hop on over to our interview with Jocelyn, who I'm a huge fan of. There's Jocelyn, Angela Nath, um, uh, Miranda Carfrey is going to be in it again. So that's the whole female side. I'm a big fan of um, Lionel Sanders. I'm a big fan of um, Patrick Lange's running form and all the bananas and stuff he shoves into his uh, into his uh, kit while he's running. And I'm a big fan of Sebastian, Sebastian Kingley's attitude. 
And who's another surprise guy out there? I think Ben Hoffman's out. He's not racing. You know, Jan Ferdino's out. He's not racing. Um, I'm trying to think of... Oh, a guy... The guy that won... God, what's his name? He won a four or five years ago. He's back in it again. And, yeah, uh, we're going to see a whole bunch of cool bikes and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's all that stuff. All right, let's go ahead and get started with Jocelyn talking to us about racing Kona this year. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. Nope, I'm still oh. here. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, our last conversation, you're Jocelyn McCauley in my um, Skype, I don't know, what do you call it, Rolodex. Yeah. But with a capital J and capital M. So I went and searched for a Jocelyn oh. McCauley again, and there's now, well, I don't know, it could be, I don't know how old it is, but it's like, yeah, there's this Jocelyn McCauley who's been trying to get in touch with me. <laughs> Weird. I wonder if it's... Connected to a different uh, email exact address. same spelling, as far as I could tell. I didn't look at it too closely. I just was happy to find it. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. It works now. So we're here. Yeah. Right. Let's see. I've got a whole bunch of questions for you. Yeah, I didn't Joss- get them, So yeah, I should do the other jobs on Macaulay now. Well, maybe that was my account too. Who knows? You're, you're global. You have multiple Skypes. But the, uh, you want me to send them to you so you can read them as I send them to you? I've, I've updated them with more questions. Yeah, we can just, uh, well, whatever you want to do. Okay, I'll just read them from here. We'll, we're good. So one of my favorite stories is how I met Jocelyn, which is, uh, pretty, pretty ridiculous. And, um, and how I thought you were a normal human. So, um, a few years ago, you emailed me and said you were from College Station, and uh, and you'd heard the Zentri podcast and wanted to uh, know if I could go for a jog or something like that. Yeah. But all right. And and I was like, sure, because um, people, uh, College Station's out of the way, as you well know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And so when people swing through from like Dallas or Houston and they know I live here, they're it's always fun to meet somebody. And we were uh you showed up and uh we hung out for a few minutes and then we started jogging and I was a wreck cuz I just done that Ultraman thing. Yeah. And I was running probably an 11 and a half minute mile. I I I do not know how you ran that slow knowing you now. <laughs> and then we're about a mile into the jog, I think. And then I started, I was asking questions about you, you know, so how'd you get in the track on or whatever? And then, um, I pry out of you that, um, you had actually won, uh, first amateur at Ironman Texas. And, um, you were on your way to going pro at that time, I think, right? You I was kinda, pro. Yeah. You were already pro. Yep. And, um, I remember we got back to the house and Emily and Kai were there and I said, Oh my God, did y'all know that she won Ironman Texas? And, uh, I just was just pointing at you going, look at this. Yeah. 
And uh, so then, uh, and that's really, really cool because with triathlon, you never know who you're training with or who you're um, up against or who you're hanging out with. Some people have a really crazy background. And um, the other thing that's really cool about you is that you came from College Station. Yeah. Which, uh, is really cool because it gives hope to people that think they live in a smaller town and, you know, they don't live in San Diego or, or I mean, not no Boulder small, but like Denver or something like that. And you, you grew up on a local swim team and running track and stuff and then started doing Ironmans. Cause why not? Cause why not? Cause your sister, right? Yep. Yep. She started this madness. <laughs> yeah. So. Now, we are, I think we've done a couple interviews since then. And Jocelyn, I got to tell you, your interviews that I've seen um, over the past few years as you've, uh, I think, did, did you get interviewed by Bob Babbitt? No, not yet. No. I, uh, I am doing Breakfast with Bob. Breakfast Colin. with Bob. Yeah. Um, but there's been many interviews with uh, big, big inter- interviewers or whatever. Yeah. Or you are so funny and so sharp. And it's like. It's great. So I, I encourage people to listen to your interviews because oh, um, you. <laughs> you say uh, you say stuff. It's you say stuff that's like, did she just say that? And and, and you just smile whenever you say it. And it's like, holy cow! <laughs> Can't believe she just said that. But it's funny. You can tell that you're smiling. Like you can tell that you're being a little a little uh, tongue in cheek, but also also serious because you can back it up. Yes. Um, yes. Um, okay. So last year. I've been talking forever here now, and then it's going to be your turn. Um, you got 10th at Kona. So one of my questions is, do you get automatic re-entry? And then looking back now, how do you think that race went? And what do you think you're going to change this year? Um, yeah, so you don't get automatic re-entry. So, so this is the last year of the points qualification system. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, unfortunately, whatever, it is what it is. So... Um, yeah, so, but with the top 10 finish it would end under the points qualification system, you basically have enough points to be able to do Kona, like to qualify for Kona the following year. And so I really like, and I had won, um, a 70.3 Vichy France that year under that qualification point system. So with that win and then with the top 10 in Kona, and then, um, I just basically had to finish an Ironman and I was, I was set to, to go. So there was no pressure or stress to, you know, how am I going to get to Kona or anything like that, which that's really nice. I think think 10th also is the last place to get money, right? It is. Okay. So I remember you were in like ninth or 10th or 11th. I don't remember. I was watching the results live. Yeah. As the, and I was like, (laughs) it's like 10th. Yes. The world's completely different if you make 10th. Do not give it up. Is. You want to get 10th if you're on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so yeah, To for the second part of your question, like, how did I feel about it and what did he think? You know, obviously, you know, you should be happy with 10th with in the world, right? You're 10th in the world. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just actually posted an Instagram thing the other day talking about this because I had one of those Facebook memories come up of my very first win, which was two years ago in Mallorca on September 24th. And, um, 
and I was so ecstatic there. I was so happy, and you know, I have this huge smile, and I like screamed across the finish line and everything, and and you know, and then you know, obviously, I'm building up to Kona this year, and thinking yeah. about Kona last year, and and stuff like that, and so I was comparing this experience that I had to being. 10th in the world. And when mm-hmm. I crossed the line, 10th in the world, like I had my husband and my sister were there mm-hmm. to greet me. And I just went right into my husband's arms and like I actually jumped up on him and gave him a hug and just buried mm-hmm. my head in his shoulder and started bawling because I was so sad. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I remember in some yeah. of the interviews leading up to Kona, you were yeah. really confident that you might do better than 10th. Like, oh, I was for sure going to do yeah, better. Yeah, and I was, I was in with you on that. I, I think that there's several of, 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 or quite a few of you pros that could win. And everybody says that a lot of you could win any day. You just got to make sure that you do it exactly right. Oh, it's so yeah. true. It's so true. And so, I mean, that whole experience taught me, like, no matter what, appreciate the finish line and be happy that you got across another Ironman finish line because it's such an achievement. It's so, you know, like not everyone gets to do this, right? Like it's amazing. So, so I, I learned that from this year. And so like my commitment was like, I am not going to just cry at the finish line this year. <laughs> no matter where I finish, no matter when I finish, I will have a smile coming across that finish line, whether it be forced or not. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, so I mean, I think there's a lot to do different, you know, after my very first Ironman there, you know, to to be able to change and do different this year, which it's always fun to learn and grow. I mean, that's, I think, what draws a lot of people into the sport is that you always all get the self-improvement. To, yeah. Oh, it's so much and it's just yeah. continuous all the time. So much self-improvement. And so, yeah, I'm like... My, my coach actually was just out here um, for a couple of days while I was training. I, I'm in uh, the Woodlands right now. So, mm-hmm. um, and we sat down and, and just rehashed last year and what we're going to do different this year and, you know, all this stuff. And, and I think I'm already coming into the race in a lot better kind of frame of mind. I'm a lot more chill. I'm not as mm-hmm. amped up and like, you know, I'm going to go win this stinking thing, you know, which, you know, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And I would love to win the stinking thing, but yeah. that's really good for a um, that attitude that I'm just going to win this thing is really good for a 50 yard freestyle. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But that yeah. seems to be the undoing of everybody when it gets up to like Ironman length. It's just you end up like going too hard too early, or just taking yeah. too many risks or something. I guess. Or yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, Kona is just a different beast, and I think that people race it so differently in the pro levels, at least, and I think some in the age groups as well. But they just race it so differently because they just go, it's all or nothing, and like you see that people are either, you know, finishing really well or they're DNFing. I mean, to see some of the people who DNF last year, I mean, there was there were people who were in the top five, you know, the you know, previous year that DNF'd and, you know, and the top 10 and stuff that just DNF'd. And because, I mean, going into the, going into Kona, you look at the start list, you're like, there are like 20 women that can be in the top 10, you know, or more, you know, like, so it's just, there's just, you, it's just whatever happens on the day. And, and it's, it's the leading up to that race. That's that week of the race and what yeah. you're doing and how you're preparing and how you're, managing every, mm. everything Madame Pele gives you. So. <laughs> yeah. So I have a theory 
Yeah. There's a known, there's a known theory. I don't want to screw up whatever you do, though. <laughs> Uh-oh. Now I'm going to have to change everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I like you're going to listen. But, so the, uh, the, um, there is a known, there, there's a known, it's like a fact. It's just not universal. But guys have testosterone poisoning, and they race crazy. <laughs> pretty much every race. Okay? That's so true. they are very, they do very risky behavior, and they'll take off off the front. Right. And um, explode pretty much any race. You have guys that, um, yeah, they 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 treat every race almost like it's Kona. They act nuts every race trying to win. It's very risky. They treat um, it like a 50-yard freestyle. Yeah, they're just like, I'm going all in, buddy. Hold, hold my beer. Watch this. Yeah. And so then, um, well, but basically on the bike, they start powering off the front on the bike, you know, trying to do like little breakaways. They're trying to ride too hard. And then when it comes down to the run, they, they can't run as well because they've no, done they too old. Um, now, uh, analysts say, and this is in lots of kind of long distance racing, women aren't like that. They don't have the testosterone problem. There could be a book called the testosterone problem. And <laughs> they, they are much, they don't, they don't react to somebody passing them or like taking off the front, right? They're like, well, that's good for you. You know, I'm going to be much more planning. And then, and I know it, not all women are like that. And, and especially at Kona, um, that kind of goes out the window some, but I have this, uh, oh, and so women are like much more consistent and like, um, they tend to not explode as much, uh, because they haven't overdone it too soon. And then, um, the, but I have a, I have a, my own, my second theory is that if you look at the finishing times, the times are just the same as any other race, really. They're not like too much different, if at all. Yeah, they're a little slower, but yeah. It could be, yeah, even slower because it's a hotter, more human race, right? Yeah. So the thing to do, this, if I, if I could, if I could restrain myself, if I was a uh, male, if I was like, uh, Lionel Sanders or, or, um, I'm trying to think who's Sebastian Keenley, Matt Sebastian Keenley <laughs> is uh, a <laughs> if if I was if I was in their position, um, the thing to do is to actually just restrain yourself and just go as even as you possibly can. And I know there's dynamics in the pro racing where you try to keep with the pack and all that stuff, but try to minimize all the surging because it's yeah. when you surge or try to take off off the front, you end up not burning an equivalent amount of matches or equivalent amount of calories, the fatigue and calorie burn that you go through, like doing that um, is, you know, one and a half times as much or something like that. So then when it comes down to the run, you've kind of blown up. What do you think about that? Is that theory any good? Yeah. I mean, well, you look at not last year, obviously Patrick yeah. Langa won last year, but the year before and he got, third yes he He's actually a perfect example yeah he got a penalty on the bike and he biked all by himself like that <laughs> whole time and then he was able to you know break a, the run course record that year and right. last year but you know that year and um run himself up into third place so yeah he, penalty on the bike last year he did it. no no oh gosh knock on wood now please <laughs> <laughs> i that's like my brand is like integrity is my brand. So how would that like shove somebody down and be like, well, I guess I have to wait here for five minutes now. Yeah. I'm like, oh shoot. Oh man. 
No. Well, have you uh, have you been following um, Andrew Starkowitz? He's been putting some oh. pretty funny. Oh like, my gosh! Yes. Tweets and out he's there. like that for real. I interviewed him one time. Oh, he is. That is him. That is yeah. him for real. <laughs> he just talks so much trash. It's like it's hilarious. What yeah. did he do? He said he he give me three. Give me three great runners, and I'll bet I'll pass two of them or something like that on the run. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't even I remember. I'll, I'll, I bet you a handwritten apology letter or something that it, <laughs> I think I'll beat at least two of them or something like that on the run. So that makes a lot of people mad. <laughs> well, and then he he said he would donate a hundred dollars to this because his little uh, baby um, had a seizure last year, like after he was born. Yeah, and so he said he would donate like a hundred dollars to some seizure foundation. A research foundation for every penalty that is given out on the bike, which is, we all know is not very many, yeah. <laughs> not as many as should be. So, oh, I get it. Okay, yeah. He's pointing out that that people don't get uh, penalties like they should. Oh yeah, no, it's it's quite especially you know coming from an Uber biker, he's probably annoyed with people drafting off of them and stuff. Oh, I would be so annoyed having yeah people getting free rides. I mean, bike numbers are. His bike numbers are absolutely insane. Like, yeah. I'll have like the workout of my life for like half an hour, and I'll still be a mile per hour sh- slower than than what he does over four hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god, it's an, it's unbelievable how good he is on the bike. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Okay, so let's see your strategy. You've been you've been you've been working with your coach, and and uh, oh, you've been at Magnolia Masters. We're going to cover that in a second. Let me go back to my uh, my super duper notes. Um, how are you uh, getting? Well, you're obviously going to fly to Cone. You're probably not going to swim there. But where are you going to stay? Are you staying with family? Are you? How do you get a place to stay there? What's your plan? <laughs> well, I have been there twice. Once as an H grouper, once as a pro. The first time we did an Airbnb. And then last year I stayed with a friend of a friend for a week. And then I stayed, I was on the big sexy racing team as a pro and, um, they had a house that they put me up with, put up, put me up at for a week. And so that's how I was covered last year. This year I am staying with another friend of a friend that, and, and they've become a friend of friends yeah. now, but um, they live in Boise and they have a house um, in Kona as well. And we live in Boise now. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, and they have a house in Kona that they, they go and train and they do Ironmans as well. And they'll, they, they're probably yeah. excited to let you stay there, right? Because they can yeah. walk around and say, we've got a top pro staying at our house. Yeah. yeah. So I can stay with them this time. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to. Are um, they going too? You're going to be there with them? Yeah, yeah, they're already out there. Okay. Are you bringing family? Um, yeah, so <laughs> in typical tradition, my family comes out the Friday before the race, you know, just to leave things on the line. <laughs> so um, they are coming out Friday. I think we actually moved it. Now they're coming out, like, Friday afternoon, so it's, like, like 3 p.m. They usually come, like, Friday night. It's, like, usually they come in at 7 p.m. I say hi, and then I say I'm going to bed, and... Yeah. Sleep, so. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be better if they got there a little bit earlier. I mean, you don't want them to be there to 
family can get in your way sometimes actually because they have they don't know boundaries <laughs> but, oh, no, but it depends on the family I thought, okay if my brother showed up it would be like what's up dude let's go hang out or something like that like, no i need to go do my thing but um uh but also yeah you don't want them getting there too late because now you're kind of having to stay up late right to um, yeah. say hi so earlier is better yeah, it is better, but yeah, I'll take them whenever I can get them. So it it'll be fine. I mean, I have so many commitments and stuff to do. Yeah. That week of the race that I I wouldn't really be able to see them that much anyway. So you know, it's it's better to just be chill, low key on my own um, sometimes. So yeah, I'll I'll see them a little before the race, and then I'll see them on the race course. So. All right. So also. Um, Oh, I was thinking about not your. Or I was thinking about like your parents. Is that what you said? And They're not coming this year, but they. they talking about your husband and your and your daughter. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's totally different. Yeah, <laughs> I and then I have about like relatives, like like coming in and visiting you or something like that. No, my yeah. I have I have two. My two sisters are coming, and my brother-in-law is coming as well. So. Yeah. 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 Okay. But no, my parents aren't coming. They came last year, but they're not coming this year. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, so seeing your husband and your daughter would be awesome. Then, then oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, I get it now. And then, let's see, how soon do you get there before the race? How many days, weeks, or whatever are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there two weeks. So I've been down in the woodlands for two and a half, it'll be like two and a half weeks. That's because it's been terrible here. So you're getting all the heat. Yeah, well, it hasn't been super hot. It's just been so humid here. Oh, I know. It's insane. So humid. It, today, today was beautiful. It was, like, cold. I was wearing yeah. a jacket outside today. <laughs> I know. Wasn't that cool? It was great. I know. It was, like, it 75, lasted a day. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> 71 or 72 or whatever. I'm, like, wearing a jacket. But <laughs> well, that's yeah. a good sign. That means your heat adapted, like, really well. If you're, yeah. If that felt cool because a lot of people, that would feel, still feel hot. So if that felt cool, that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, I'm down here, and then I leave on Saturday to uh-huh. go to Boise because uh-huh. I I need to see family. So mm-hmm. I go to see them for two days, and then I fly down to Kona on Monday, and then right. and it's like basically race day by then. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close. Okay, and then this, uh, it's just a, a curious question. Do you already know your bib number, so we can tell people what number to follow, or has oh, gosh. that been signed yet? I don't know if it has been. I don't know what it is, if it has been. So. Or, or 110 or whatever they do. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, probably. Okay. Let's see. You know, actually, I think they don't do it off of the following year. They do it off of KPR points, which is the Kona rating points. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do that. Okay. I'm not positive. Maybe All I'm right. Not. Let's get to um, you are an awesome pro that came from being an age grouper. Um so I've got questions for you to share with your answers, to share your answers with the folks out there um, about how to train and be faster. Because when we get somebody like you on the air, it's we have to ask these questions. Yeah. Okay. So swimming, we'll do swim, bike, run. Swimming, about how many yards or hours or workouts oh, do you produce? And what are you working on? But about uh, what have you been working on with uh, the Magnolia? For people that don't know, Magnolia Masters is based out of Northwest Houston, like the Woodlands area. And I grew up in, um, you grew up in College Station. I grew up in the Houston, I grew up in Houston on the swim teams there. Yeah. The Houston area 
is phenomenal for swimming. Like it's yeah, it, is. It, it is swim leagues. It's unbelievable. So, um, you're in the, you're in the right place for swimming. Um, have you learned anything over the past couple weeks training with them that you're fixing or improving or something or just training? Um, yeah, just training. I mean, there's always, always things to improve with the swim, right? There's, I mean, with everything, right? There's always little things that you can improve to get better gains and stuff like that. And I mean, one of the things um, that we're focusing on is just my, my right arm catch. I'm not catching the water. I'm slipping through the water. Just, oh. So just trying to catch, get, keep that um, high, high elbow catch yeah. and uh, still have an elongated entry um, in the water and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. That's hard to do. That's a, a particular joint movement that's hard to master. So let's see. Are you during the swim at Kona? Are you going to try to draft off of somebody, or you, or do you try to in any Ironman? Do you try to draft off of somebody, or do you try to just kind of get some clear space and swim your own swim? Yeah. So I used to like kind of like key off of people, like you know, oh, I think I can swim with so and so, and so like I'll make sure that I'm next to her to start, and so mm -hmm. I know where she is. Try to get on her feet and stuff like that, and. And it was actually about a year ago, you know, we threw that out the window and we're like, you know what? No, <laughs> we're going to go the first 400 strokes just really hard. Just, you know, go 400 strokes and count them and go hard and then just see what packs are created. See what opportunities you can make for yourself mm -hmm. and just go with that. And so yeah. and that has actually been world's better than trying to like find this person you know like it's stressful like oh the numbers aren't on the cap so now i have to know what she looks like with a cap and oh on. i see and, you know things like that it's just yeah like, that's extra stress of trying to figure yeah. out what really even happened you don't even know how that person's going to swim that day so it's right. smart yeah you don't know. just swim hard and then get with the group of who's swimming best exactly whoever uh -huh. whoever that speed happens to be and and I, I like to line up away from people. Mm -hmm. Like if, it, you know, for any listeners, you know, out there, like if you have never done, like, um, you know, obviously this is an open water swim start. And if you've never done like mid pool swim starts with, you know, like two people on either side of you kind of thing and, you know, try to get that momentum and stuff. Um, if you do one of those with two people on either side of you and time how fast you can get to the wall and then do one without anyone next to you and time, you are going to be like a second faster because you don't have the drag that those two people create right next to you. Mm -hmm. And so trying to be away from people is for me much more important than, oh, what's the best line and, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. So I just... I try to get out of the crazy and I mean, that's hard to, hard to do in an age group race yeah. that's a mass start, but uh, with, with only, you know, 30, 40 ish women on the start line, it's, it's a lot easier to do. Yeah. So I, I agree with you that um, over the years I found that I just didn't, um, I, you pay a lot of money or, you know, hotel travel, regardless uh, of the entry fee. And, and then on top of that, the entry fee to be in a race, and so you want to enjoy it and like clean water seems to me to be faster than so rough faster. water that people have chopped up um, from swimming. And it's trying to stay on somebody is like really stressful and it's choppy. You don't even know if you're going as fast as you possibly could. And you get clean water. You have just like a nicer day. Like it's a nicer experience. And like you said, possibly faster. 
I think, yeah, it's yeah. for sure faster. Like just the, just from doing swim starts in the pool and stuff like that, which is also great practice and, and a lot of fun to do. Okay. Let's see. What's the best, let's see, like one kind of workout, like a, like a drill or a set or something like that you think, uh, that would make people faster. <laughs> something else that I just posted today on Instagram. I am not the person to ask about like awesome swim sets because my, my perfect swim set is something you can just have in your brain, like 25 hold pace, 100s go, you know, like just do them off of a, you know, 130 and try to hold a, you know, whatever is good for you kind of thing, you know, like 20 seconds faster than whatever your, your pace is. So yeah, like doing something like that. I, I love doing, doing more sets like that than like something you have to write down where it's like a, you know, do a drill swim and then do this kicking set and then do this other set. Like, it's just, I, I like simplicity in my life. Like this more simple, we can make things in my life, the better. I agree. (laughs) More zen, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I learned that, okay, there's a definite method to get faster on the bike. And it's like sweet spot intervals and, and a mix of intervals, you know, that make you that burn your legs and then recovery. And then just and then also for weightlifting, I used to do a bunch of weightlifting and stuff. And the best way to get stronger is to do like three or four sets of anything, whatever the muscle group you're working to um, to make your muscles burn and then wait a couple days and then you're stronger and you're faster. And um, I even though I grew up on swim teams with like with all the stuff that you're talking about, all the different, like crazy, like complicated sets. Um, if you're doing long distance freestyle, really all you need to do is be practicing uh, freestyle. The other strokes are good for like beginners. They're trying to learn like balance in the water and like feel for the water and stuff. But after a while, like swim, do your swim workouts. Like you do your bike workouts and they're yeah. so much, they're so much more simple. Like, uh, warm up and then go 20 minutes medium and like a couple minutes hard and then like take a break for a minute and you know what I mean? Like bigger sets of with more uh, burn. Yeah. You know? I'll still do short intervals. I won't do anything more than really more than a still 300. Trying to 400 yards as fast as you can. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Like I'll, I'll generally do, yeah, 200 or unders, occasionally 300s, but yeah, yeah, making them just like, you know, 10 of them and go, you know, so yeah. Okay, let's move on to the bike and we'll cover your times over your last race at the same time. Um, your swim at Kona last year was like uh, 53 minutes or something like that? Uh, something so, like that. Yeah, it's like really fast. So again, former swim teamer, so makes sense and so you're right on track and i compared i looked up daniela reese time right a minute and 30 so seconds yep you were like a minute slower yeah than down daniela. minute and 30 yep 30. i got dropped at the boat on the turn and i was yeah. with them until the until that turn and they put in a surge and i did I just didn't think about them putting in a surge and they were gone before i even could yeah. respond so <laughs> and then let's see let's move to the bike and Let's see, on the bike, you were like a few minutes slower on the bike overall? Was it like... No, it was bad. No. Yeah, it was. 11 minutes? I don't know. It was a bad bike ride. It was sad. It was was not that bad because... No, it 
It really was. Like, I put it in, you know, obviously, like, after the race, like, coach wants files and stuff. So I put it in training peaks. And, and my, I didn't look at it. And I put in a comment saying, please don't talk to me about this. I'm not looking at it yet. I'm not ready to. <laughs> So, so we honestly, oh my gosh, no, seriously, we honestly did not talk about that bike split or the hour of the power file, and I hadn't even looked at it until just last week. <laughs> oh, I, I honestly, I, I I just looked at it earlier today. I don't have it in front of me, but I didn't think it was that. It was not very much slower than Daniela Roosh, which was smoking. Yeah. So, um. So let's see. You're on the Quintana Roo. Yep. And what color you got? For the race, it's a neutron, which is pink. Okay, that pink one. Did you get uh, disc disc brakes or not? No, I'm not running disc brakes. So my okay. wheel company was not uh, didn't have a disc brake disc until okay. um, this until a couple months ago. So okay, yeah. that's cool though because you don't really need a Kona anyway. And then let's see, um, I got some training questions for you. Okay, uh, we'll see if I have you ride. Do what? We'll see if I have answers. I don't always okay. know the answers to my training. Oh, these questions. are easy. Uh, how much do you ride indoors? Ah, so yeah, that that is easy. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was going to be like hours and amounts. Like I don't know that. Like I don't pay attention to that. I'm actually not asking that. Yeah, I don't have that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you never answered that about swimming. Do you swim like four times a week, or three times, or eighty times, or what do you do? Six times a week. Every day that I train, I swim. Holy cow! Yeah, it's insane. Okay. I actually, this, <laughs> That's this, much for me. this week is like the first week in, I don't even know how long that I haven't swum every day. Well, okay. Probably it's been, I mean, there was like a day or two while I was in Vichy that I had travel, so I couldn't yeah. swim like things like that, obviously. Yeah. But other than that, I swim every day, but yeah, I didn't swim yesterday and um, the guy swam today, and I was like, I feel so weird. I, haven't, I didn't swim yesterday. This yes. is so weird. It's <laughs> so weird. People don't, a lot of people don't know that, but a lot of swimming is the feel for the water, and you oh, don't swim, so, you lose yeah. that feel. And yeah. if you don't have that feel, then you don't grab as much water on every pull. It's really weird. Because I remember that I'd swim five days, six days a week, and then Sunday, have the day off, and then go back in Monday, and then you feel really slow and like you're just falling through the water instead of swimming forward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But biking, biking inside yeah. and outside. Yeah. So um, I used to live a year ago. We moved to Boise uh, right after Kona last year. We moved to Boise. And before that, we lived in Cincinnati. And when we were in Cincinnati, like, I couldn't bike from my house very mm. safely. And so I did all of my riding inside except for Saturday when I would go outside for my long ride or Friday. It, whenever I had my long ride, I would go outside. So it was over 50% of my riding was inside. But now that I live in Boise and we live in the country and there's these wonderful, this wonderful law called Idaho stops, which is stop signs or yield signs and stoplights are stop signs, which is amazing. Yeah. So um, cyclists do not have to stop at stop signs in Boise for people that don't know. Yeah. They're just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so awesome. I love it. And so, um, not most cyclists don't stop at stop signs and they usually treat them as yield signs, but it's the law there, at least, you know, like we're, we're, we're safe that we can do that. So I, I think it's called an Idaho stop. It is. The a Idaho stop. Yeah. Yep. A cyclist just rolls through a stop sign if nobody's coming. Yeah. So now that we live there, I actually do almost all of my riding outside. Um, it's, 
so beautiful and it's mm-hmm. you know oh. awesome i have a great indoor setup i have a garage that i have a trainer and treadmill and actually a trampoline in as well for emmy to <laughs> play in yeah. But, uh, yeah, so in the winter and stuff like that, I'm all set and, or bad weather, which in Boise, we don't really have bad weather. It doesn't rain at all. So we don't like have to worry about that. Like it's just the fires this summer. We had to, we had some smoke, a couple of bad smoke days, but other than that, it's been, it's been beautiful. It's been awesome. And I, I will opt inside if I don't have, um, sometimes if I don't have someone to ride with, um, for safety issues. Yeah. But, um, I have a, like, I call him my unicorn training partner uh-huh. <laughs> out in Boise because he is like just the perfect training partner. He's like, so what are we doing today, Jocelyn? What do you got? You know? Oh my gosh. Cool. Yeah. And he's super fast. He's, he's a really nice guy. And, He's a firefighter, so he has a great schedule for training because he's on two days oh, yeah. and then off the rest of the week. So, yeah. I, I know a bunch of firefighters. I work with a bunch of them. And they, yeah, they've got the best schedule ever. Yeah. I mean, you have to stay up late. You know, we have yeah. calls in the middle of the night and stuff. So, it's probably not too optimal, but it's great for training on the other days. <laughs> so, let's see. What If you're riding indoors, what software do you use? What do you watch? Do you watch videos? Do you watch movies? Do you do Zwift or what are you, what are you into? I do the, the last couple of trainer rides. I've done nothing. I've been to my mind. Oh no. <laughs> I know it's probably people's worst nightmare, but, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, what I do. I don't do Zwift or trainer road or anything. I mean, I, I have a, have one of my QR bikes that my trainer just permanently on my trainer and yeah, the, you know, just a ride. So well, I don't do that anymore, but I I've been through that phase that people don't people out there it's insane. Y- y'all have to know this. How many like an hour, two hours, three hours with nothing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. You're absolutely nuts. Yeah, it's and like riding it's possible. You with can nothing. totally do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's just the same as being outside and you have nothing. It's just you're inside and the scenery's <laughs> not really changing. So but there's so many people. I, I crack up when I see people that are like, I could never ride indoors. It's like, well, if you could, if you figured out something about it that you liked. So yeah. indoors, it's very consistent. So you can really play around with different things and see how your body reacts. Yeah. And really clean up your bike position, for example. Yeah. Um, because you can tell, like, if something's better or not, because there's no other variables. It's just you on the bike. Yeah. Do you listen to music? Um, not lately, but, yeah, yeah. I used, I used to watch Netflix a lot and music and stuff like that. But, yeah, just, just yeah. Lately, I've just been in my head. So. Okay. You need to get that message out there to terrify the competition. You're like, this girl. Yeah. <laughs> I can be in my head all day long. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, I can be in my head all day long. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, let's see. Uh, what numbers do you watch when you're training on the bike indoors or out? Um, sometimes it's heart rate and sometimes it's power, and it just it just depends on the workout and on the day and stuff like that. I mean, tomorrow I have a long ride. I'm not gonna look at power at all. I just keep my heart rate and my certain zones and stuff like that. So it just, 
it just a hundred percent depends on the, on the day, on, on the workout and, and stuff. So. Okay. That sounds pretty normal. And let's see, what kind of power meter do you have? I have a rotor. Oh, it's power. Yeah. 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 So it's a dual sided crank power yeah. meter. Yeah. I have a power tap uh, hub, but it's really old. Um, it's wireless and, and, uh, it's great, but I'm looking to get a crank one eventually because I think that's smarter. Yeah, it, it's great. You can analyze, you know, all the different aspects of your of your uh, pedal stroke and yeah. the percentage right and left. You know, just all of the crazy analytics of it all. So, yeah. let's see. We have um, what's your favorite? What do you think is a, is a good workout to make people faster on the bike? Uh, on the bike, yeah. Oh. All out Dog. efforts of whatever distance or time that you feel like. Yeah. Just do what? All, all out efforts of whatever. All out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I've, uh, I've experienced that where I'll do, I'll do that. And then the next day, just the next day, I think the, the hormones and stuff your body releases from that. Yeah. The next day I'll be faster. Like yeah. I feel amazing the next day. Oh, I love hill repeats. Yeah. Oh, man. We have a, um, I don't know, it's like a 2,000 foot climb out our back door. Uh-huh. So it, you know, it's beautiful. It's awesome. But, you know, I could do, I could do hill repeats of that thing forever. I would, I'd yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. Here, as you know, at College Station, we have, um, no Nothing. hill that lasts more than about a minute on the bike. You have overpasses. <laughs> That's what you have. We have like 20 foot hills. And, uh, so on the track, so I do, uh, trainer. Trainer Hills. Uh, yeah. Trainer Hills. And oh my gosh, the difference it makes is amazing. As, you can do a 20 minute hill, you can do a 30 minute hill, you can do a 10 minute hill. Yeah. Anything you want. Um, okay. So let's see. Um, on that Quintana Roo, do you have the one that has the, um, the blinky light on the back of the cargo box? Oh my gosh. Yes. I can't tell you how many rainstorms I've had to turn that thing on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's been nice out in Texas, right? You're I like, oh is- shoot. I don't have any lights. Well, I'll turn on this light that I have built in. <laughs> yeah, I think that thing is so cool. That was so smart of them. Yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. Just to have it built into the bike. We're starting to see some helmets now that have got some lights built in and stuff. Yeah, I've heard most of them are really uncomfortable, though. So. <laughs> okay, let's see. On to the run. Um, on the run, you were like, last year, you were about 11 to 15 minutes slower, I think, than Daniela. Yeah, it was it was a sad, sad run. But <laughs> okay, I don't mean to bring it up. <laughs> I was happy with my my swim uh-huh. and the last 10k of my run. Those okay. two we can talk about all day. <laughs> okay, cool. So on the run now, the cool th- the reason that I think that you're going to do great um, at Kona because another theory fact is is that Kona favors uh, women that are ru- really good runners. It does, yes. Yes. Um, because the heat doesn't affect women. It affects big guys. Like, yeah. Uh, the, well, the and, more surface area you have for the sun to hit and heat up, the worse yeah, you're going to do. The body volume, you can't shed it. You can't shed the heat um, if you got a lot of mass inside that surface area. And so um, this is really great. So when you hit the run... The theory is, is you just power through that. Especially you ran for, what school did you run for? 
Brigham Young University, BYU. And you were, what was your specialty? I was a 5K, 10K runner. Oh, yeah, see. And then, what was your, do you remember your fastest times? I don't. <laughs> you just make them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't even think make up a 10K or 5K time that I, like, I don't, I don't know times now anymore, even in that. It's too short. <laughs> so you also, not, not just being a swimmer background, but also, I mean, a universe, a college, um, uh, track runner. So you got that down a little bit. You know how to train for that. And let's see, do you know about how many miles or hours per week you run? I don't. I've been uh, running every day lately as well. So okay. too many. <laughs> how do you run every day and not get um, banged up from that? What do you do to prevent that? Uh, they're not all hard runs. Like I have like a recovery jogs that are like literally nine, 10 minute pace, you know, and nice and slow, just, you know, shaking things out and kind of those, those really help get through soreness. I feel like, cause it gets the blood flowing a lot better than, than anything else I think and stuff. So, um, I mean, honestly, how do I not get banged up? Like, I mean, I use, I can't tell you how many hours I have spent in my rapid reboot recovery boots, like in the last two weeks, like, I like literally over an hour a day. So so probably more than I'm in the pool, I'm in the boots. So (laughs) So are those ones that um, put pressure on your legs? Yeah, the compression. Yeah, the normal. So it helps blood flow faster, right? Yeah, it helps blood like it helps with recovery so much because it helps return the you know venous pooling blood in from your legs into your heart and just help with that circulation. And so the better circulation you can have, the better flushing that you can have out of your legs, and that you know. So it's just yeah, it's just key. It's really awesome. But um, yeah, we, we moved about a year and a half ago now into a house that has a swimming pool in the backyard. It's not a big pool. Yeah. It's a swimming pool. But you know how like it's it's like inferno here every day in the summer. Oh yeah. And I'll go run in the morning or in the evening and then run right into the pool. Like sometimes I'm wearing my running clothes. I just go right into the pool. Oh yeah. And it feels so good. And especially cuz I know about that compression stuff. Like it's putting some pressure on your legs and but it's taking your weight off your legs. Yeah. And I'll just sit there and relax on the edge of the pool and go, "Oh my gosh, this is awesome." Yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Um, what numbers do you look at? Well, um, oh, on the bike, forgot about that. On the bike, what do you look at while you're racing on the bike, on your bike computer? Heart rate. I look at heart rate and then I also have, um, time and distance on there, but I don't really pay attention to that. Just heart rate. So no power. You don't look at power. Nope. I don't look at power at all. I, uh, I pay attention to time with like how many bottles I'm going through, like to just make sure I'm drinking enough mm-hmm. and like, you know, pound to the rest of that bottle if I need to kind of thing. But uh, other than that, nope, it's just, just heart rate that I'm focusing on looking at and going. So have you been following Lionel Sanders and in, in his insane YouTube videos <laughs> and his Gatorade endurance? No, um, I have not. I oh my gosh. You have to go look on YouTube. I follow crazy. So yeah. 
Right? If you if you yeah. follow crazy and you pay attention to crazy, then you have become crazy, and I just don't want any of that. So yeah. Well, no, this is more like it's a le- you'll learn real quick. That maybe I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Seriously, you okay. will not like be like oh I should try. It's not one of those things where you should try that. But anyway, his fueling um, plan is pretty much just straight Gatorade endurance, and then. He's timed it all out and the sweat rate and everything. So that part, that science of that is right on when he talks about that, about his, um, like, like you were saying about how many you want to know your time so that you know when it, um, when your aid stations and your fueling is going to happen and stuff like that. Right. Right. Yeah. And let's see, what do you look at? Numbers do you look at on the run? On the run, I just 100% look at heart rate as well. So. Oh, you don't look at. I know some people that will look at pace when they start the run. Make Never. sure they're not running too fast. No, heart rate will dictate that. So. Okay. So if your heart rate's like way too high, you'll slow down no matter what, no matter how you feel. No matter how I feel. Yep. Because then you're not you're not taking the heat off fast enough, and so I'll slow down, make sure I get the heat off, and then That's keep going. True. Because, <laughs> yeah, in Kona, that's key in Kona, because, like, that's what your heart rate is really dictating and sh- saying to you. Like, you're not getting the heat off fast enough, and so if you don't deal with it now, you're going to be dealing with it in about 10 miles or 5 miles from now, and you're going to not like that plan. So. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. What about in uh, in training? Do you just do heart rate? Yeah, um, uh, for running, yeah, I'll generally just do heart rate, but like, it's like, it's like the bike as well in training. Like, there's some days that I'll, I'll do pace and some days that I'll do heart rate. Like, if we're doing really, really hard interview intervals, like above threshold intervals, then it's all about pace. If it's, if it's below yeah. threshold, then it's going to be about heart rate. Okay. Yeah, I got you. So then let's talk about that last 10K of your, of the Kona race. Yeah, last 10K. Like, so I, you really lit it up. <laughs> I really think I had the fastest 10K out of any woman on that last 10K. Like, no joke. Like, it was just, Was yeah. it to get the race for 10th, or was there something else? Or No, yeah, it was the race to 10th because, I, yeah, something kicked in. And I, one of my sisters was in Energy Labs so right uh, before you exit the Energy Labs, and she said, you know, if you just keep it going – the same pace, then you can catch Annabelle Lexford and, you know, you can, you can get in the top 10 because I was running, I don't know, 11th or something. Yes. Okay. That's true then. Yeah. I thought so. I thought you were yeah. in 11th and you had to pass somebody to get 10th. And, and yeah. Like I, I might've even gotten into 12th at some point. I'm, maybe it was just 10th, 11th, but, um, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, you know, finally some, you know, that helped just boom, change my, change it around. And I was like, okay, no, I'm not out of this. Cause I just like kind of like sullen, like, oh, and, and something that my coach did say uh, to me before the race last year, he's like, you know, like, it's not what you go into the energy labs, what the place you can, it's how you're coming out of the energy labs is what's going to dictate the place that you get in Kona. Yeah. Cause you like coming out of the energy labs, you can pass, you know, like four or five people even just coming out of the energy labs. And, and it's true. I mean, the, the, it was like sixth or seventh, um, through 10th, we were all like two minutes apart. It was something ridiculous, like so close yet. You didn't even realize how close we all were, you know, at that, at that point. And so, so anyway, I was like, okay, I can do this and started going and, 
I um, ended up coming coming down Polani. I have a picture of it. I passed um, Marine Huff mm-hmm. for 10th place um, coming down Polani. So it's like the last mile of the race. Um, and then coming down around and then coming back on Alihi, um, you know, I people are yelling, like, you can go get her the next person. But, you know, those streets are lined with people. Like, you can't see around the people. They're that full. And so, yeah. you know, I couldn't see the woman in front of me. And, I mean, I was going for it. But, you know, I didn't I didn't catch her. I saw her cross the finish line. But, um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a fun, fun race. So, yeah. Yeah. There's um when you. When you notice that how much faster you can go when you have to, like when there's a reason, then I think that really gives a lot of hope to somebody that, that, um, in your situation where the, the race the year before didn't go exactly the way you wanted. And so now you've got something burning inside of you to like, like do better. Yeah. And like something to prove or I don't, or I don't know, just, I did an Ironman one time where I had a guy that I was racing like 10 minutes behind me the entire way. And I thought I was going to die the entire time I was running. I was like <laughs> running so hard. Um, but it was him behind me that made me, made me race like that. You know, my best ever. It's amazing what um, other people can do to yeah. push you, like what competition can do. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the formula to win Kona statistically, um, winners usually, they place like 10th one year and then the next year they place like in the top three, like they place like second or third. Okay. I like your planning here. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and then they win. So like Pete Jacobs, um, Maka, all these, all these people, they just had to figure it out, you know, and they had to work their way up. And every time that you race, you know, you get Kona figured out a little bit better. And so this is your third race there, technically. I know one was an age group race, but it'll be your third, and you're moving up. So this could be it. This could be it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll just keep moving up. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the only goal. Is, yeah, just keep moving up and just executing. Up. Eventually, you have to win if you just keep going up. Yeah, exactly. I like it. I mean, it might take 10 years, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I think if you're patient, um, I think patience is what pays off at Kona more than anything. So, so, so true. That race is a race of patience. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What do you do? What's your, what's your fuel of choice on the bike and run and pre-fuel and all that stuff? Yeah. I, I use F2C Nutrition. I've been with them a couple of years now and absolutely just love it. I use their glycodurance. So mm-hmm. it's just a, um, very clean, um, uh, um, complex carbohydrate that they mm-hmm. have. It has, you know, no fat, no sugar, no protein or anything. It's just this complex carbohydrate. And, and, um, then I also add some of the electrodurance that, um, which is like their electrolyte profile, um, into that. So that's all I use on the bike. And then, um, for the run, I use a mixture of a, like, so, so you can mix that glycodurance into like a gel form and just okay. make it into your own like you know flask gel. All right. So I'll um and Kona actually so we have 
uh, like pro aid stations. Um, yeah, I've heard. You have like um, six like of them. Four or yeah. five. Six of them. Okay. Six. Yeah, six because he did one for um, did one for my husband, my two sisters, um, my daughter, and then my parents. So I had their name. Uh, I had each of their names on one of my bottles, like through the whole race. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. See, I know about these because Lionel Sanders says, you know, that's where he's going to pick up his bottles. To, he's running with a fanny pack. How many bottles is he going to run in his fanny pack? <laughs> he's running with full-size bottles. Like, he's switching them out at different aid stations. Oh, my gosh. Aid stations. See, this is why. I just don't pay attention. I, well, I know what I'm doing. What if he wins? Then everybody's going to be doing it. There's going to be people running with fanny packs all over the world. Oh, my gosh. Please, no. Please, <laughs> please, no. <laughs> Uh, well, although fanny packs, my closet, I can just dig it out. It'll, it'll be great. Fanny great. packs are well, yeah, but fanny packs are totally coming in vogue. I like, know. have you noticed that? Like, they're becoming a normal thing. Over the top. Yeah. JCPenney yeah. is going to have pictures of Lionel Sanders everywhere. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh yeah. No, I do not pay attention to. I don't even. I don't. You know, this is the point also that I, I stay off of Strava. I don't look at any of that. I don't look at social media. Like, I don't, yeah. I, you don't need to know what everyone else is doing. You need to be confident about what you're doing. You know, That's what, all that matters. So weeks leading up to Kona is where, not Kona, uh, Ironman Texas is where, um, I haven't done that race in a little while. I was taking a break from it because I did it like five times in a row. The, um, the, uh, is when I start replying to questions and comments about alligators in the lake. <laughs> and they're like, there's not any alligators in the lake, are there? And I'm like, yeah, there's some pretty big ones. And I'll post pictures of alligators and stuff to freak out my competition. So <laughs> that's probably a pretty terrible thing to do. But it works. Yeah, yeah, just put a shark in in that bay and people will freak out. So. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine a shark sighting in that bay? Oh, um, that would terrify me. So Yeah. Let's see. I think, oh yeah, what's your, uh, you got your fueling down. And what about, oh, what's the name of that company again? F2C? Yeah, First to Cross or F2C. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and green apple. That's the best flavor. So green apple? <laughs> oh yeah, it's okay. so good. It tastes like a Jolly Rancher. It's oh, so that's good. Yeah. And then what is your last question? What is your daily diet like? Are you, uh, space Katarian, um, let's see, vegan, only eat rice, um, fruitarian. <laughs> you know what? I just decided, you know, two months ago to go vegan. I thought it was a great idea. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, nothing wrong with being vegan at all, but just don't do it like two months don't before a race, right? Well, oh, right. yeah. So this is, gonna, this is all about Lionel Sanders. Before Ironman Montreblanc, or he decided, Jan, Jan he decided to do low carb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Jan. Yeah. And now he's got a hip uh, injury. And, yep. Jan and, uh, went he vegan. He's under calorie. I mean, I talked about that on the last yeah. episode. He looked a little frail from being yeah. you, The thing about being vegan is you feel really good for a while because you do eat a lot more veggies. Yeah. Like you discover veggies and they're so good for you. But then after a while, if you don't eat enough of the other stuff that you're missing, then um, yeah, you lose weight, but then you start getting frail and then you can get banged up. Yeah. Is uh, my opinion. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think you can be vegan and sure. and be fine. I mean, like, look at Rich Roll, right? He's like uh-huh. the the vegan endurance guy, so um, and stuff like that. So no, I mean, I've toyed with the idea, but I just never have done it. But no, I um. So so my my coach Jesse Kropelnicki of QT2 Systems, he owns. Oh, he's good. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, so he also owns I it clean diet uh, uh oh shoot, now I'm gonna forget the name of it. Um, the core, the core diet. diet. The core yeah. diet. Thank I've you. talked with him and I've talked to some of his coaches about the nutrition. I think he's right on. Oh yeah, it's on point. Yeah. So I mean you talked about discovering veggies and stuff. Well, I mean, we don't in in the core diet, like you really don't have carbs except for veggies and fruit. Like you don't do like rice and you know breads and things like that except for very key sessions and very key points in in training and so you're fueling those with those but other than that you get your carbs and stuff from training uh, training carbs obviously like i'm drinking a lot of carbs um while i'm training stuff and then your training kicks ass because you're getting carbs during training yeah well not only that but like i mean his whole philosophy is like look you have so many carbs that you have to consume during training. So we have to make sure all of the other calories and all the other, you know, carbs, proteins, and fats that you consume during the day are actually nutrient dense. Because if they're not nutrients dense, you're not going to be able to get the nutrients into your, into your daily diet that you need. And so let's right. do a whole bunch of, you know, like if we cut out the breads, the pastas, that they're generally not nutrient dense, you know, yeah. then you're replacing all of those with all of these really good, you know, fruits and vegetables and, and, and stuff. So you're able to um, get the nutrients into your body that you actually need yeah. and, and stuff. So, so yeah, like I, I eat everything, but I'm very heavy on fruits and veggies and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So awesome. Cool. Um, what do you do leading up to the race? Um, when do you start changing your diet up? Like two days before, because there's like this thing uh, two days before, like hardly starting about two days before, hardly any fiber and stuff yeah. like that. And then, yeah, exactly. Um, you see, you then, know the core diet by heart there. Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> what do you? Um, it's following it. That's the hard part. Um, yeah. The uh, well, not really, but I'm just saying. Uh, things things keep happening, you know. Everybody's like, "Let's go eat this and let's go eat that," right before the race. And um, what about your your pre race meal? What do you do in the morning yeah. or the night before, and then in the morning? So it's generally the week of the race that my diet shifts a little bit. Like um, Monday before the race, we have a you know satisfying higher fat meal for um, dinner, and then. Tuesday, Wednesday are generally about the same. Thursday, it's like 50% more carbs than I generally do in my diet. And then Friday, it's like heavy on the carbs and, and stuff. So, and then, yeah, obviously, like you said, like cutting out the fibers and stuff like that. So the fruits and vegetables and stuff like on Thursday and Friday before the race. Um, oh gosh, what was the other part of your question? Um, um race day, race morning. Oh, what do I do? What do you eat? Yeah. Yeah. So that's also part of core diet stuff is doing like an applesauce with protein powder, um, like a banana and, um, some sports drink. So, and then Lionel Sanders does top ramen noodles. What what about that? Is this the Lionel (laughs) Sanders interview? Are you going to do? I just want to compare somebody that's actually 
not random and all over the place and following a, a real nutrition coach. Because Lionel Sanders, uh, the, the big comment is like, dude, get a nutrition coach, you know, like if oh, this has yeah. all been figured out, like do what Kropelnicki says to do. Yeah, but what? you know what? He is one of those guys who just needs to learn and test and try things and fail on yeah, his on by himself. Way. Yeah. If tells me how to do it, I don't care. I'm going to still screw it up my own way. That way I figured it out for the way I do well, it. Well, yeah, I mean, he's like a teenager, right? That's what teenagers do. Like, mom, dad, no, I don't care what you say. I'm going to go do my own thing. And then they, like, they're like, oh, mom and dad were right. So. Told you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's just, he's just in that teenage phase. <laughs> yeah. We get that with the Boy Scout troop. We'll be standing off to the side and we'll watch the boys you know, do something incredibly stupid. As long as they're not going to hurt themselves. We just stay in there. And, yeah. Uh, it's a learning opportunity, a learning opportunity about to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's and then they'll never do it again. Once they do it wrong and it, it hurts. Backfires. Like, yeah. yeah. Backfires. Yeah. Then they, that's, that's how you really remember something is when something doesn't go at all. Like you thought it was going to. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why Iron Man, right? It's yeah. a very big learning opportunity. So we'll see. We'll oh. see what takeaways that I get this year. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, I'm really excited for you. I'm, I was so glad to find out that you were going. Um, uh, another person I'm really excited that I found out was going at the last minute is uh, Angela Nate. Yeah. Um, I hope y'all like are able to race to near each other as fast as much as y'all possibly can until the very end for my own sake. Cause I'll be like really excited. I'll be like, I don't know who's going to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think she's super cool too. She's such a, still has a lot to overcome. Yeah. I mean, it, she says herself, she has a lot to overcome with her Lyme disease and co-infection still. So mm-hmm. I think it's more of a, a, um, just an achievement for her to be there. Honestly. Yeah. And, it's been a whirlwind of a last couple years for her with her foot and then Lyme disease. And what happened to her foot? I was it in, uh, just a, a running she injury? She broke it like five times and then had surgery and then got an infection. Oh, had to be on that's the right. Had an infection had after surgery. Like, oh my gosh, that was a nightmare for her. I felt so bad. Yeah. Yeah, that really sucked. Um, okay. So how do, is there something special we need to remember to root for you or how do you, how do we follow you or how can we, what's a, something we can send your way that know, that people know, uh, or do you know that people are rooting for you? Well, I just, I always think about people, I'm sure, like, like I just commenting on my stuff and, you know, just like knowing that they're out there following me. I mean, I do a lot on Instagram more than okay. anything else. It's just the easier platform for me. And it's okay. just Jocelyn McCauley on Instagram. Um, and then it's Jocelyn McCauley pro triathlete on Facebook and, um, J O C E McCauley on Twitter. But the only time I ever tweet is during a race because I give it to someone else and they tweet. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then just can retweet everything Iron Man does and then just yeah. you know, tweet out. So, so yeah, but I, I link that into my Facebook account. So in, you know, if you don't follow Iron Man live and stuff like that, then I have my own live tweeting, um, okay. on my account. Well, that's what we'll do. We'll, um, send out messages of support mostly through Instagram and then follow you on Twitter. Obviously. Yes. There we go. <laughs> all right. Well, I think you're going to do really, really good. The, all the pieces are in place for you to do really great. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for doing the interview and we'll talk to you again soon. 
Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so okay. much for having me on. All right. Good night. Good night. Hello. ho All right. This is an episode. Let's wrap it up, B. <laughs> I've had a wonderful run this morning. Going to try to wrap it up with a few little details here and there. Oh, let's see. We've had our first temperature drop. It's now October 9th, 10th, 11th. It's October 11th, and we had a cold front come through finally. And we've gone from epically bad uh, humid, terrible, I mean, unbelievably hot and humid conditions here in southeast Texas, Gulf Coast area, to um, a low of 57 degrees, uh, crisp, clear air, and boy, the difference it makes running. So I went running this morning, and instead of needing, you know, a liter and a half, two liters of water, <laughs> um, I'm serious. It's like it's insane here how un, how how hot and how, how much water you need to digest fuel. Um, I only needed uh, I think I ate about 110, 120 calories of Gatorade Endurance. I did two scoops and a gel flask and ran with that. Um, I added a little bit of a touch of food coloring because Gatorade Endurance is clear. That way I could uh, see in the gel flask how much was left. I'm running at night. And um, and then with two waste bottles, so they're about 10, 11, 10 and I think they're 10 and a half ounces each. So I take a sip on the gel flask and take a sip of water. That's how you keep your teeth from getting rotted out too, is uh, always follow with water. And it's a gel flask from the uh, Hammer Gel uh, company, from some Hammer Gel I bought a while back, <laughs> a decade ago or something. But anyway... And it was fine. It was enough water where usually if it's warmer, I need twice that amount of water to be able to digest that amount of fuel because all your fluids are going out to your uh, extremities and sweating and all kinds of stuff. And because you're running cooler anyway, you actually uh, run a little bit faster, probably 15, yeah, I'd say about 15 seconds per mile pace faster on average over an hour over like six and a half miles. So without running any harder, um, actually holding back a little bit more than usual, I ran um, 15 seconds per mile faster, which was really nice. And what I've noticed lately is um, running with one water bottle, these are hip flasks, uh, the Amphipod hip flasks. They hold about 10 and a half ounces each, like I said. One in front, one in back. Now they're balanced in the middle, gel flask in my pocket, Running shorts, I've learned from trail running, have lots of pockets, and you can carry stuff. And um, really nice and well-balanced running. Um, I can swing my arms and hands, you know, where they want to be and where they should be instead of uh, when I usually wear the hip flasks on the hips to the sides. I have to kind of move my, I guess I kind of have to move my arms and hands uh, into a different position, and that's kind of what's been messing with my feet. And uh, all that put together is, I've done this the past couple of runs, is um, a really nice run, well-balanced and uh, good energy, nice and uh, just cruising along, having a really, really good time. So yeah, I'm really excited. There's that and then 
I think I'm going to mention at the beginning of the show. I always record the beginning of the show last thing in case there's any news. But um, got a goal of trying to ride the 112 miles on Zwift over the week uh, by Saturday night. I'm about, I think if I ride tonight, I'll be halfway there. Um, Kai, uh, oh, it's cool having a goal, you know. Uh, Kai's got a um, triathlon on Saturday, and he has not been doing a lot of triathlon training. He's been running cross country, but he's only swam once in the past like three months, and he's maybe biked once in the past two months. And um, so I said uh, he needs to bike outside today. Today's Thursday um, to get used to his bike again. We're not expecting much. When he did his cross cross country meet, uh, he didn't do very well, but um, he's also been injured. Uh, just playing around and running uh, around with friends and doing cross country and just random stuff. He's managed to injure himself. Uh, there's this thing with kids that are growing, especially from 12 to 14 to 15, I think. Their growth plates are really, uh, and their bones are really sensitive to injury. And twice, once in his heel and once in his knee, I think, he's um, gotten some uh, nasty injuries where. I mean, it hurts, and you have to say no training, no nothing, no anything, no nothing, no anything for a while, and that's it. And so he really hasn't been training. Um, but we'll see for sure if he's actually going to go do the triathlon on Saturday. It's, it's here in town, and so it's a lot of fun. And he won last year, I think. But this year, uh, no, no real expectations because he hasn't been training that much. His run will be way improved, but his um, his bike is kind of lacking, and that's okay. And he, um, oh, I said that he needs to get out on his bike and ride today to get used to riding outside. He's got the same problem as a lot of people that train indoors. If you've got good bike handling skills, if you if you grew up riding bikes, then. Um, if you ride indoors a bunch leading up to a race, um, all you really need to do is a ride or two outside to get your bike handling skills back, and then you should be okay. But it's uh, there's there's things that are like, uh, you know, how grabby are your brakes, and how do you reach down between uh, your legs to the frame to get a fuel bottle or a water bottle or reach behind you or something like that. Uh, you know, how do you descend to high speed without crashing? How do you go around people um, on a real twitchy, fast road bike at high speed and race conditions without crashing? And his grandmother wanted to take him to go watch a cousin's, a little cousin's baseball game. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, you need to go ride your bike today. Today's Thursday. The race is on Saturday. That way, and that's this afternoon, he needs, this evening, he needs to go ride his bike. Because if we find out there's something wrong with the bike, then we need to take it into the shop on Friday to get it ready for the race on Saturday. There's uh, Today is the day. And not getting injured. Because if, if you don't do that, then you risk wrecking. And then you're injured again. And these are your formative years in, in sports. And he's already been injured and out a lot uh, lately. So um, we can't risk. We can't 
go with an unnecessary risk on a uh, bike wreck um, because he doesn't have bike handling skills because he hasn't been riding his bike outside. So he needs to go ride his bike outside. And that, unfortunately, is more important than watching a kindergartner's uh, baseball game, which is good for family to go watch, but um, we don't need Kai to be uh, out and wrecked from that uh, because he didn't go ride his bike. And I need to go take it in to make sure everything is uh, fine if he finds a problem with it. And I think that's uh, that's about it. I'm really excited about um, my running coming back online. And oh, hey, there's that Corvette I've always been looking for. Woo! That's always under a cover. Man, that's a pretty car. It's a 1970s uh, Stingray, it's royal blue. Oh, that's pretty. Good job. Anyway, um, I'm gonna. I'm going to get off the mic right now and then continue wrapping up here for a second. There's just a couple more things. Out, bang. All right, I'm back. <laughs> I ran out of time to talk about all the all the stuff. Let's see. Um, I wanted to mention we've got uh, Hawaii coming up, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Our man Kona. And let's see. Who do I want to win? I guess. Um, who do I think will win versus who do I want to win? Which is always interesting. Uh, I think uh, Daniela Reef is a shoe in for the women's. Um, unless something happens. And, um, and I think it'll be between Patrick Lange and uh, uh, Lionel Sanders. Again, maybe Sebastian Keenley uh, for the men. Uh, let's see. Who do I want to win? Um, I love Patrick's uh, running form. It's absolutely amazing. But I guess I've been following Lionel and watching him uh, really train and stuff. So I'm, I'm a little bit uh, partial to him. And it's really because of the media exposure that he's been uh, giving for himself. You know, making his own videos and... and uh, publishing them is really smart Um, it really gets you out there (laughs) you run a risk of people hating you because it shows that you don't know entirely everything that you're doing but nobody really does you have to be okay with that and um, I guess I want to see Lucy Charles win even though I don't I'm not positive she's gonna win I don't think she's gonna win Um, instead of Daniela uh, Reef, and I guess it's just because Daniela's, you know, won a bunch already, and it'd be just interesting to uh, see somebody win, somebody else win. Um, yeah, uh, Patrick Lang has been doing, um, you know, fine over the over the year, uh, but again, that man, it is hard to repeat because of how much your life changes after you win. And I guess that's about it. So let's see how to support the show. You can go to zentrathlon.com and click on the links on the left-hand side. There's a PayPal uh, support page that you can go to and you can do a one-time support or a, uh, or a repeating donation, which is kind of cool, like a subscription for a small amount. And I've, all right, we're back. I just got another robocall. I've heard that 
finally some states are trying to get together and ask Congress to stop this crap. The robocalls are just getting out of control. Ask F- FCC to actually do something. That's who it is. Oh my gosh. It's just crazy. All right. Um, yeah, you can help support the show with a one-time or recurring donation. And it is so easy. And then we don't have to mess with all that Patreon stuff. We don't have to mess with uh, sponsors and blah, 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 and commercials and, and ads and all that stuff. You can just support the show or not. And also, I'm about to find time to uh, start coaching a few more people again, I think. <laughs> so start keeping that in the back of your mind. you got plans for next year. I do coaching, triathlon coaching, uh, especially for people that are looking to start going longer, uh, that are new to the sport or people that have been in the sport and want to uh, grow and uh, start going longer. I've done 15 Ironmans and an Ultraman and swam 22 miles nonstop across Lake Tahoe and... Let's see, that was a 13 and a half hour trek. And let's see, um, I've done a whole bunch of 50 miler trail runs and a 100 miler trail run. And just a whole bunch of stuff like that. Tons and tons of half Ironmans and um, Olympic and sprint uh, triathlons and a lot of self-supported stuff. So when you want to go long and you want to get better at it or you want to learn how to, how to enjoy doing it or... Uh, fold some of that uh, endurance goodness into your life and learn how to do it uh, the zen way or happiness way send me an email texafornia t-e-x-a-f-o-r-n-i-a at gmail.com and uh, we can talk all right that's it everybody stay safe out there work the uphills cruise the downhills and keep the rubber side down out out